like so many others, who you are is largely a result of your past. We have so many positive and not so positive experiences that we start to doubt ourselves and our place in this world. Let the healing process start now. Welcome to Shift Happens with Karin Weary, Ida Serena Lee, and John Kennedy. When you start to focus on healing from the inside out, you'll learn so much more about your own health, your well-being, and your state of mind. Once you've started on that, the rest gets a little bit easier every day. Now, here is your host, Karin Weary, and this week's co-host... Hello, everyone. This is Karen Weary, your host. I am a licensed marriage and family therapist when I'm not here. And last week, I was off on vacation. It was amazing. And I had so much fun. I totally decompressed because we went away somewhere where, you know, I there was little Wi-Fi. The whole point was to go away, go connect with nature, and, and just go on this deep healing spiritual journey because everybody needs that and it's been a long time since I've done that and so I can't just be telling other people to do it and not do it myself right that's just wrong (laughs) (laughs) so so I hope you guys enjoyed uh the first part of the panel that we showed uh last week that we played last week uh I I loved the information that came across in that panel as we are have been doing this every two months uh talking about what is going on and how do we uh just make this whole place a better place and today I have my beautiful co-host Aida Serena Lee back. Woo! So happy to see you, and you are looking good. Thank and you, thank you. You have quite a story to share with us today. Yes. Oh yes. my goodness. For for those that don't remember me because of the long time I've been home, <laughs> the Lord gave me a parenthesis in my life uh, for a month and a half. My name is Aida Serena Lee. I'm your holistic health practitioner and biohacking queen. And my purpose is to help you to stay healthy so you can live a long, healthy, vibrant life by biohacking yourselves, by hacking your body, your mind, and your spirit. So uh, today we're going to talk a little bit about my story, what happened to me during this parenthesis time. Uh, It was not fun. So I have like a, you had a vacation, I have a forced uh, vacation. (laughs) It was was not not really really, a vacation. No, no, no. No. That was not, that was a, I don't know what to call it. I call it a parenthesis in my life. It just... Everything went on hold <laughs> yeah, yeah. for a moment there. So let me tell you a little bit uh, of my story first so I can explain you what you can do to see if this happened to you, you can do it better that I did. Because what we're going to be talking about, what Ida is going to share is how to advocate for someone, your loved one who's in the hospital, uh, especially during, people always need it, but especially now with the coronavirus and you can't be there. So take it away, Ida. So as you understand, right now with the coronavirus, you are not able to visit your family members in the uh, hospital. So there's nobody there to advocate for the patients. So if you, if, you, if you don't have family member that can advocate to you through phone, you know, and really know a little bit about medicine, so they can take control of everything that, it, you know, every step that is happening. Plus, if you didn't prep yourself for an emergency like this in your life, so you have some foundational information that's going to help guide the doctors and guide everybody that's doing your treatment, then it's going to be a very difficult time. But I want to tell you the story of what happened to me. Uh, I have to go a little back so that you can understand. Okay, so um, on July, 
Um, my father-in-law uh, lived with us for eight years. We were taking care of him for eight years. My husband worked outside. I work in the house because I do everything online. So usually I'm the most uh, person here with my father-in-law. So one day my father-in-law go out and he's walking normally like he always do. And I see him through the window of my office that, you know, he, he didn't look good. So I tell him, um, uh, Papa, come inside. We used to call him Papa. Come inside. And as he was walking in the entrance of my house, he fainted. Okay, so I, I slightly put him down so he didn't fell because I was able to catch him and slightly uh, put him down, tried to revive him, tried to uh, uh, wake him up. Nothing happened. I had a guy that was uh, styling the, uh, my TV on the wall. So I tell him to call 911 right away because I didn't want to leave him by himself. So he called 911. They take him to the hospital. Two days later, we find out that Papa has uh, COVID. Mm. Now, you know, he's 87 years old. He have heart disease, uh, prostate cancer, uh, uh, COPD, you know, a series of uh, overlying conditions that are going to make things even more difficult. Yeah. Okay. So what we decided is everybody in the house, we're going to get tested to make sure that we don't have the COVID. So my daughter, my, my son, my husband and me, we got tested. We all came back negative. Okay. Mm -hmm. But after we got the negative result, because you know that they take like seven days to give you the result. After we got the result, I started uh, about five days after we got the results, I started feeling symptoms. Mm. So I went and I checked myself only again and did the test and I came back positive. So I was in quarantine in my house. I'm glad that I have like the master room in one side of the house and the other rooms in the other side. So, and I also have a door to the outside from my room. So I was able to quarantine in my room. Okay. Mm -hmm. Quarantine in my room. Everybody that was out. While I was in quarantine, a week later after I was in quarantine, no, maybe three days later, my husband, my daughter, and my son went and get tested because I was positive, so they went to get tested. So they got tested. My son and my daughter's results come back um, negative. My husband's results took a little longer, okay? They got the results, I mean, four days, and then my husband's results came in seven days. But in those days, my husband, my husband started to have an, an UTI system, urinary tract infection. You know, it was burning a little bit when he was going to the bathroom. And he was having a little bit of blood. So he, he think maybe it's a stone, you know, that's happening. So he go to the primary care. The primary care doing a uh, uh, UA exam that uh, shows that it's positive for infection. And she give him an antibiotic. Mm -hmm. Okay. She gave him an antibiotic and a, a script to go and do labs. So he get out of the doctor's office, go and do his lab, go to the pharmacy, start taking his medication. By the second day that he's taking the medication, he starts feeling muscle aches, stomach aches. And he's noticing that he's urinating less and less. By the fourth day, he's not urinating at all. So I tell him, you have to call the doctor again. And he called the doctor again and got to tell him to go to the emergency immediately. Yeah. So he goes to the emergency immediately. The, all his numbers are you know, high. Uh, his CK, which is the test that, that check the breakdown of your muscles, mm -hmm. supposed to be less than 200. Mm -hmm. Okay, he had 19,000. Oh, That's called randomyolysis. That's breakdown of your muscles because of the breakdown of the of the muscle. It was causing toxicity that the liver and the kidneys cannot get rid of. So the the uh, liver enzymes were in the thousands, and your BUN and creatinine that is your function of your kidneys were. I mean, the 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 kidney was in kidney failure. So they had to do emergency dialysis. So they put the port by the neck. And they do the, the, the little port by the neck to start doing the dialysis. When you're emergency, you know they're going to do the COVID test. So his COVID test was negative. Then uh, they put him to relax. You know, they're giving a sedative for him to relax and lay down. 
the next day when he wake up, he called me and he tell me, I'm in the COVID floor. And I said, what do you mean you're in the COVID floor? You already have a negative result and we're waiting for the other one. And plus they said, you had a negative result from the first time we did the, the COVID. You had a negative result in emergency. Okay, so why do they put you in the COVID? Yeah. Okay, so he start asking questions. Okay, why did he put me in the COVID? So they say to him, oh, you had a positive test. And say, how can that be possible? If, if, I mean, I've been here only one day. So from one day to the other, you know, right. from the same day, you're going to change because he went yeah. early in the morning to the hospital and he was already upstairs by the afternoon. So they had to do it in the afternoon, you know? Yeah. So I start calling over there and try to contact the doctors and telling them to repeat the test, to repeat the test. When I was telling them to repeat the test by the second day, then his result that he did the second time here came back negative. So he already got two negatives, actually right. three. The first one that he did that we all did, that I was negative myself too. The yeah. second one that he did that came out the second day that he was in the hospital, plus the emergency one, three negative yeah. tests, yeah. okay? Three negative tests. So I tell them, you need to do another test so you can take him out of the COVID floor, but he doesn't belong in the COVID floor. They didn't want to. They said, we cannot do another test until seven days. Okay, so I keep calling, I keep calling. Then they, not only they did that, they put a patient that is very sick with the COVID in the same room. So you know that the CDC, for the people that doesn't know, the CDC guidelines said that you cannot put two patients with COVID in the same room because what happened? Remember that viruses, when it go into your cells, they take your DNA and they mutate and multiply. You can have a, a, a less strength kind of, uh, of, the, of the COVID in, in you and then the other person have it stronger and now pass it to you the next strength. You, you know what I'm saying? So the guideline is that every, everybody has to be in one room. So I go um, call them again and I show them the guidelines that the CDC sent and they still don't want to change him from the COVID. So I said, at least change into a one room. So I had to fight for two days and they finally changed it to a room by himself, but he's still in the COVID. We're still fighting for them to do the test again. By the fourth day, they haven't done the test again on the, uh, uh, in the morning. By the afternoon, we were able to push and push and push for them to do the test, and they did the test. But the next day, he was going to surgery to get his permanent port done, mm. okay? Because now he needs uh, uh, permanent uh, dialysis, okay? Mm. So they take him to surgery upstairs. And uh, while he was in surgery, I called to see if the results are back. The results are back and it's negative. So now he got four negative uh, uh, COVID tests. So right. I said, okay, you're going to hold them. In, I tell them, you're going to hold them in the, in the recovery room until you get a room out of COVID. Or if you already have a room, you're going to put it out of COVID. Do you know that they dared and they put him back? Did he get out of, out of the surgery? And they put him back in the COVID floor. Oh my God. They put him back in the cupboard floor. That's insane. So okay, they're trying so, to get him sick. Exactly. So no, and, 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 and before the fight was that they needed seven days. So yes, it's seven days. So he'd be there that, so that he can be positive so that you can put that COVID diagnosis there and get the extra money. Because I find out, I did my research and, they, and, and I find out that the Medicare do pay extra when you have a COVID diagnosis to the hospital. Mm -hmm. And if that COVID diagnosis end up into an uh, intubation, that you go to a respiratory uh, machine, they pay even extra. Yeah. So of course, by by seven days that he was there, he was gonna get the COVID. Right. You understand what I'm saying? He was gonna get the COVID. Yeah. So we still fighting to get him done and nothing happened. So my daughter, I have a daughter that she's a lawyer. 
She worked yeah. for a big firm in Tampa. And not only she's a lawyer, but she's worked in the department of malpractice. Uh. So she called the uh, administration of the hospital, okay? And with her staff, with her, you know, uh, co-workers, put the, the call on, on and tell them, you know, you either move my father out of there because he already got three tests that I don't know where you get that, that, that test that you said that it's positive because it's not impossible. Plus, he didn't have no symptoms. My husband, you know, when you have kidney failure, your symptoms is that you cannot uh, pee. But you have no pain. You know, the pain that he was having in the muscles is because, you know, CK was $19,000. The, the muscles right. are breaking down. Of course, he's going to have pain in the muscles. But of he course. didn't have not even his knees, not even a cough, not even a phlegm, not even a fever, not, none of the other stuff that will compass to be uh, COVID. Right. Okay. So she fired in and five minutes after she talked to the, the, to the administration of the hospital, they move him out from the COVID to the regular room. Then they're not satisfied that he got those three tests. They did the test two more times oh while he was God. there. And those two more times were negative. So now you got five <sighs> negative COVID tests. Uh -huh. Okay. Five. Right. So my, my thoughts on that is that there's some kind of comparison or something going on that they know they're going to get more money. Okay. So they want to have that COVID diagnosis in there. Mm -hmm. Okay. They want yeah. to have that COVID diagnosis. So they do anything and everything to put that diagnosis there. Because if you already got three results that are negative, right. You know, and you need to do two more. Really? Yeah. yeah. Really? They put you as a confirmed negative COVID in on the COVID floor when you're already sick, so obviously more susceptible. <laughs> so yeah. people ask me, well, your husband spent six days in the COVID floor before he was moved. Right. How was it that he never got the COVID? Well, let me tell you a little bit. This is a parenthesis inside the parenthesis. Okay, <laughs> since uh, March started, you know, when the, everything about the COVID and the big quarantine, you know, I, I, I took the task of doing my research. I went to the Institute of Functional Medicine and they have a protocol that you take, which is vitamin C 3000 a day, uh, vitamin D3 5000 international units, zinc 50 milligrams, echinacea, I don't remember the milligrams, but echinacea and revestrol. Plus I'm taking my protein. Okay, and me, my husband, myself, we've been doing that since March. Yep. Even when I had the COVID, because the thing is that that's not going to uh, exempt you from getting the COVID. You know, if you have real strong immune system, I guess my husband had a real strong immune system. You don't get mm -hmm. it. But for example, being I got a very you know mild compared to everybody else. I have the body aches. I have the cough. I have the, the fever and chills. I didn't have no respiratory. I didn't have no uh, uh, phlegm, nothing, no phlegm coming up. I didn't have no shortness of breath, no chest pain. Everything else, you know, the headache and the tiredness and all that, the uh, loss of taste, I have that. But I didn't have nothing in my lungs. Mm -hmm. Okay, nothing in my lungs were clear. And yeah. my husband's lungs were clear as well. Good. Okay, so imagine if you don't have somebody to advocate, how many people do you think that are in the COVID floor that doesn't belong there? If this exactly. happened to my husband. Exactly. Not only this happened to my husband, it happened to my husband. The reason why we put it in the hospital that we put in, and I don't want to put names because, you know, say uh, names of the hospital, because my daughter and my other daughter is an RN in the same hospital, but in another another campus. Yeah. So that way she will be able to get more contact and we will be able to follow my husband's uh, process. Yeah. And that's the reason why we do it that way. Right. So she was assigned to talk to the nurses to get information and I talked to the doctors. 
Yeah. So, so that way we have all the, and we will log it in, every information, every medication, everything that my husband will be getting, we will log it in. Even if you don't know medicine, you mm -hmm. should know that because you can, now you don't need to know medicine. Google is there for you. Yeah. They're giving a medication to your, to your family member. You can Google it because, for example, when he started his uh, uh, dialysis, mm -hmm. they needed to change his blood pressure medication that he was taking because it's mm -hmm. not compatible for dialysis. They gave him some other medication. I Googled the medication. The other medication side effect will, uh, was retaining water, you know, in your, in, that you will retain water. Why are you going to give a person that cannot get rid of the water because his kidneys are not working right. a medication that's going to retain the water? Then he's going to be swallowing all the time. So here I go again you know, fighting with the doctor yeah, <laughs> to yeah. change that. So that's why you need to be informed and make friends with Google. You know, I know <laughs> as a as a healthcare provider, we also sometimes get annoyed when people just go and do everything in Google. But believe me, if you are advocating for your family member, you better do. You There's better do because why. you want to make sure that they get the right thing. Yeah. It's, it's really scary. And, you know, you're just now uh, confirming this story with uh, you know, people put them putting people into the COVID uh, floors without being po COVID positive, because I've heard this on so many different occasions from so many different places. So it's just one more confirmation that this is, you know, something horrible that's going on is money motivated. I, I even heard, and I'm, I'm not going to confirm this one because mm. it, it wasn't something that happened to, to us, but I have heard of people that go to the hospital for another reason, and because they don't have any room in any other place, they told them, if you say that you have COVID, then we can we can uh, admit you. Mm -hmm. Right. Just So by the time they say yes, and then they put it in the COVID floor, they're going to end up having it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You know? And, and then all the hype that's been going on about it, you know, all this year. So people are really scared, which as we talk about all the time, just makes everything worse. And so, you know, I've, I've heard a nurse, you know, say how somebody came in and was really, really anxious, having a hard time breathing. And she was saying he was just anxious, but right away they went and pretty much knocked him out, put him on the COVID floor. And, and you know, next day, I think they intubated him and so it's a nightmare for sure so we are going to hear more about uh ida's personal story of how to advocate for uh, a loved one who's going to the hospital because obviously it's really really necessary even with the medications you, you can't be sure that your loved one is being prescribed the proper medication so um so yeah you'll want to definitely uh tune back in as soon as we uh, listen to these couple of short messages and hear what else happened with Ida and her wonderful husband. Gregory Lee. <laughs> That's his name. <laughs> Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit facebook.com forward slash voice America. Insight's Dramatic Weight Loss Coaching Program is a transformational program healing you from the inside out so you can finally achieve your healthy weight for good by resolving the underlying reason why you've been holding on to the weight. The program features nine transformational individual sessions. You'll rebuild gut health and reduce inflammation. It's not a diet. Instead, you'll learn how to make peace with food and develop clean eating as a lifestyle. Visit InsightsCounselingCenter.com to find out more. Can grief be good for you? Absolutely. It gets your attention. 
helping you evaluate your choices and relationships. Your losses define who you are. Tune in each week for Good Grief with host Cheryl Jones. Our show features those who have made incredible transformations by grieving their losses. You'll learn how to find your courage and strength. You'll discover the important things in your life and how to let go of things that are less important. Good Grief airs live Wednesdays at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Health and Wellness. Are you finding your frequency? It can be described as that space between failure and success. It's the future of digital media. It's finding your voice. It's engaging topics, content, and ideas. Jeff and Ryan discuss the digital media space and all of its aspects. It's about making the mistakes, taking the chances, summoning the intestinal fortitude to step out of your comfort zone, and discovering what you can accomplish when you decide to try, decide to learn, decide that you have something to say, and find your frequency. Live Fridays at 12 noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time, on the Voice America Variety Channel. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. listening to Shift Happens with Karin Weary. Do you have a question or comment about today's program? If so, we'd love to hear from you. Call in to the live show at 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. Or send an email to w at insightscounselingcenter.com. Remember that Karin is spelled K-A-R-I-N. Now, back to Shift Happens. Hello, everybody. We are back here on Shift Happens, and I am Karen Weary today with my co-host, Ida Serena Lee, our biohacking queen, who has quite an incredible story that she has just been through for the last couple of months, have been, you know, struggling to get through. And uh, I have to say that... uh, you know, I really admire your tenacity and that you don't care if people, they start getting really annoyed with you and pissed off with you because I'm sure that they were yes, <laughs> at the hospital because you were on the phone and really how that really, the time uh, dedication that it took, because that's like practically a part-time, if not a full-time job right there, just and, and, and it wasn't only me, you know, my daughter, the one that is an RN, was yeah. also trying to get with the nurses while I was trying to get to the doctors. And she mm-hmm. was also getting the run around, you know, yeah. as well. You know, and, I, and we got into a point that we were the one we were frustrated. Yeah. And even let me tell you, even when he went to surgery to get his uh, port done, you know, uh, three hours go by. They say that's a 45 minute procedure. Mm-hmm. Three hours go by. We don't know if the man is alive. Wow. You know, if he's okay or whatever. I keep yeah. calling. Nobody answered me. I tried to call the doctors. Nobody answered me. Finally, four hours later, my husband called call me, drowsy, and all he can say to me, I am alive. Oh, my God. And hang up. I was so upset that yeah. I will have worked in the healthcare field for 28 years in this, yeah. in this county. So I know a lot of doctors. I work with a lot of doctors in, in, in that 28 years. 
So I called one of the doctors, a friend of mine that used to be my employer, and I told him what's going on. And I said, can you call your, you know, your, your, your colleague and tell him that this is one of your employees to please give us a call back? Well, she did that. And five minutes later, the doctor called me back. Mm. Okay. And he was upset. He was upset. And uh, he says to me, oh, we are so busy. And, you know, that's why we cannot call everybody. And I said, let me tell you something. You guys created a protocol for the pandemic. Part of that protocol should include how you're going to inform the family, how the uh, uh, patient is doing. Because if we were not in the pandemic, you will come out of the surgery room to the waiting room and tell the family member how it's doing. How will you feel if that was your family member? Mm-hmm. So if you're not going to call me so I can know how my husband is doing, you're going to make sure, I'm going to let you know that I'm going to be calling you every single time that I, that I, that I need to find out what's going on with my husband. Yeah. It's going to be so bad that you're going to see me in your soup. You're going to see me in your dreams. You're going to see me in your nightmares. <laughs> you're going to see me in your thought. Whenever you want, you see my face. So if you don't want that to happen to you, you might as well give me a call or assign somebody. You should just assign a, a, a nurse that can call all the, the family members at 8 in the morning, at 1 in the afternoon, and at 8 at night so we know how our family member is doing. Yeah. You know, how can somebody go to surgery? You know, the risk of surgery. That's why you make a sign of paper, you know. Right. And you're not going to tell me my husband is alive or dead. Right. That yeah. came out good out of, the, out of the surgery. Yeah. Oh, okay. I promise I'm going to call you back uh, every day. You know, he kept his word. He called me back every day. Not only he called me back every day, every single time he went in the room with my husband, uh-huh. he made my husband put me in FaceTime so that I can hear what he had to say. Oh, wow. It's amazing what, you know, all of a sudden when you remember that these are human beings who have human relationships and human emotions, I think sometimes they forget that, you know, when they're, that you're just, you know, this body and that they need to work on, like a, a, a car. The thing that I feel about is that I know that they they had to do his, their best with my husband because I was their pressure. But what about yeah. the other people? They've been slacking in the other people because there's nobody there. To, to, you know, to take account of it. There's exactly. nobody advocating for the other people. But let me tell you, the errors didn't finish there. Mm. Now he's in the regular COVID floor. So now my daughter can go in. I still in my you, quarantine. You mean not the regular COVID, a regular no, floor. Now he's out of the COVID floor because, Good. you know, my other daughter, call, the lawyer, yeah. call and take her out. Okay. So uh, my other daughter, the one that is a nurse, was able to visit. They, they allow, once you're not in the copy floor, they only allow one person a day mm. to go and visit the person. That way they account who's coming in just in case they bring something, you know, to the patients. So my daughter was able to go with him and give him exercise, making walk, helping him a shower, whatever my husband need, needed. Uh, three days after that, I was, uh, I have already done my, the test and my test came back negative. I wait a few days first to make sure that everything is clear. And then I went to visit my husband. The first day that I went to visit my husband, he was more energetic. Uh, he was able to walk with me. He was able to take a shower by himself. I just needed to help him put his pants on. Um, he was doing, you know, what is normal within the, the situation. Okay. So the next day I go and visit him. You know, and when I visit him, he cannot get up. He's not exercising. His stomach looked like he was like eight, eight, eight months pregnant. He's telling me that he had a stomach ache, that he had diarrhea. When I went to help him to take a shower, uh, to take a shower, he could not do it on his own. I had to help him completely to take a shower, completely to get him dressed. You know, he was not acting right. And I said, "Do you tell the nurse?" Because I was not able to go in until eleven in the morning. I said, "Do you tell the nurse?" 
And he said that he already told the nurse that he was having an upset stomach and everything. And then it was the day of his dialysis. So the dialysis come in, they start doing dialysis and he starts shaking, shaking, shaking. Okay. Like, like you have Parkinson, you know, shaking. So I, and he got four blankets on him, the heavy mm-hmm. blankets. So it cannot be cold because he got the heavy blankets. So the nurse that's doing the dialysis says, oh, maybe he's cold. So I didn't know that you can warm up the blood as it goes into the body. Mm. I didn't know that. So they can raise the temperature a little bit. So she did that, raise the temperature a little bit. So the blood, but he's still shaking. So at the end of the of the dialysis, I tell her to take his, his temperature, check his temperature to make sure that he doesn't have a fever. Not to mention that the, the, the first day when I went to visit, I, I, cho- I check him from head to toe, and I noticed that he had a little bit of pus around the fistula where the port was in. So I asked the nurse, because the nurse that do the dialysis as every other day will clean it and change everything. But in between, I guess they were not doing it. And he, he had, so I had to call the head nurse to come and change all his stuff, mm. you know? So that day he's shaking and he's doing all that. And I tried to turn the temperature, and the temperature was 99.4. That's a fever because you know that normal temperature is 98.6. So I told the nurse, that's a fever. Oh, no, that's not a fever. Probably because the blood went uh, in. And I said, I understand if he didn't have no other symptoms and the temperature was that, I can understand it because it was the blood that came in. But he got other symptoms. Mm-hmm. You know, I need you to check this temperature. I need, I need you to call the, the doctor and let him know that he got some temperature. Okay, I will. I will, I will recheck the temperature in an hour. An hour come in. And, oh, and she went and she turned off the monitor where you can take the temperature and the vitals. She turned mm-hmm. it off. Mm-hmm. And an hour, nothing. An hour and a half, nothing. Two hours, nothing. So you know what I did? I turned on the machine myself because <laughs> I have my nursing background, so I can do it. <laughs> I turned on the machine back and I checked my husband's temperature. When I checked my husband's temperature, it was 100.3. Wow. I marched myself to the nurse station and I told him my husband had a fever. I need you to call the doctor right now. Yeah. Okay. And then she goes, Oh, is that how you know that he got a fever? I said, Because since you're not doing your job, I have to do it for you. So mm-hmm. I check his temperature. It was 100.3. So she walked back into the room to make sure that the temperature that I'm saying is right. And he took his temperature. She took his temperature again. And it was 100.3. So she went and write it down and then turn off the, the, the monitor again and move <laughs> it, you know, move it a little bit. So, like, for me not to mess with it. Right. Okay. I will recheck his temperature in another hour. Okay, and she go, and I'm going to call the doctor. An hour go by, an hour and a half, two hours. She hasn't come back to take the temperature. I don't hear nothing from the doctor. I turn on the monitor again, and I took his temperature again. By then, it was almost 103. Mm-hmm. Okay? Yeah. Yeah. So I went, marched myself back to the nurse station, and I stand right there, and I tell her, you know, until you call the doctor right now, I'm not moving out of there. You're going to call the doctor right now because you apparently don't have no clinical eye because you don't need not even to take the temperature to know that something is wrong with this person mm-hmm. when the day before he can do everything by himself and he was perky, and today he can do nothing. He complained to your diarrhea. He complained to your stomach ache. Okay, you knew that, that yesterday he had that little pus over there, and you are not concerned that his fever is going up? I'm moving. I'm not moving out of here until you call the doctor. I don't want you to page him. I don't want you to email him. I don't want you to test him. I want him in the phone. So he called the doctor, put him in the phone, and I called the doctor and I tell the doctor what's going on. So the doctor said, "Okay, uh, I'm gonna order uh, the Tylenol and I'm gonna order the nurse to ice him up and I'm gonna order a uh, WBC, which is a white blood cells. If they're elevated, they tell you that you have an infection." So I said to the doctor, "But you're, are you gonna find where the infection is coming from?" 
you know, so that we can correct that. Mm-hmm. Right. Because, you know, what I can tell you, I tell what I can tell you, since you, your clinical staff here doesn't have a clinical eye, is that my <laughs> husband had a little pause in his, in his, uh, in his port yesterday. So you need to do a blood culture because blood went in and back, the infection can be carrying into it. My husband is saying that he got diarrhea. You know that it's common for you to, to, to get a nosocomial infection in the, in the hospital, so it can be C. diff, so he needs stool tests. Mm-hmm. And also, my husband had history of the reticulitis. So if you have history of the reticulitis, right now his immune system is, is uh, he's immunocompromised uh, uh, because of everything that is going on in his life right now, that can flare up. So he needs a CT scan. Oh, let me see what I'm going to do. Let me call the infectious disease. She didn't order anything. They put the guys, they give him the tunnel, they didn't order anything. And she called the infectious disease. The infectious disease came in. And before I talked to the infectious disease doctor, he ordered exactly what I said. <laughs> so when I saw the other doctor, I told him, let me tell you, if you don't know how to do your job, might as well give me the license and I take care of my, of my husband. Right. They do all the tests, like as I tell you, and yes, he got a flare-up in the diverticulitis, and he also have a C diff. Thank God, no, 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 the culture for the blood came back negative. Mm. So I'm telling you, if you are not there checking and knowing exactly, that's before, all the thing that I did before was through the phone. And now I'm personally there, and they're still screwing up. Right. Oh, my God. And they're still screwing up. That sounds like something, if you're in the medical field, sounds like something that's pretty straightforward. Plus, the doctor telling him, you need to check the temperature every two hours. You know that I will leave. And this is one thing that I did. When I leave at 8 o'clock, because they don't let you stay longer than 8 o'clock, mm-hmm. I made them come into the room and take all his vitals. I will copy that was his vitals when I left the, the, the hospital. Okay? Mm-hmm. Then I come two hours, and I will call do you got his temperature? Oh, and then they think that you don't know because it's another nurse, you know, yeah. or, or, you know, so they don't think that you don't know. And they're giving you the same temperature that he got the last when you left. And I said, that was the temperature that he got when he left. Oh, I will take it now when you're on the phone. That happened three times. I will take it. I will. I, will, I didn't sleep because I will pull my alarm every two hours to call to make sure my husband was taken care of. Wow. <laughs> I don't know what you needed them for, because like you said, it sounded like you could have done a better job taking care of him yourself. Then the nephrologist come back, and um, and I explained to, to him everything that happened, okay? And he said to us that he was going to do a biopsy and to find out exactly what else is causing, you know, what caused everything that happened. And I said, the medication caused it. And then he said, well, we don't know, because it says here that when he was in the copy floor at one point, he had a positive test. And I said, he never had a positive test. All these tests is within two weeks. And he never, and you got five tests already that are negative. Right. Oh, might as well. I forgot to mention that when he got that fever, then they did it again, just in case. So he got six negatives. Wow. Okay, six <laughs> negative. Yeah. So they, he insisted. And then he insisted because, you know, that COVID can cause that. And I said, and I said to the doctor, let me tell you something. Do you remember when you went to your virolo- virology class when you were in med school? Do you remember that viruses go into your cell? Okay, they go into your cell, they take the RNA and the DNA, and they multiply, and they multiply and they multiply. If your immune system is not good, 
They're going to multiply on They multiply so much, causing so big oxidative stress that are going to damage the cell. And they're going to shut down your liver. They're going to shut down your, your, your kidney. They're going to shut down your... By then, you already have the SARS, which means that you already have the, 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 the pneumonia and then hypoxia. Uh, uh, that means that you cannot breathe and you're already intubated. And when you are in that condition that you are not getting enough oxygen to all the cells in your body, that's when all the destruction starts to happen. Mm-hmm. And my husband never had that. So let's say that you're right, that he had it at one point or another, whatever. He never even had symptoms. So that cannot cause what had happened. Right. You know, it's the medication. It's this. And I explained to him, you know, and then, and, oh, but how do you know the information? You listen to too many YouTube uh, uh, channels and things like that. And I said, let me tell you something, sir. I'm not going to know YouTube channel. I go into PubMed.gov, that's where you get all your results. I go into Harvard University, I go into the CDC, I go into the NIH, and I go into the World Health Organization. Do you have any questions? <laughs> and he was like, he couldn't say no more. Uh-huh. So, because they, so after he explained that to me, that when they did the biopsy, when the biopsy came back, they said that uh, no cancer, thanks God. They said that there are a lot of uh, damage in his kidneys, but they also saw healthy cells. Okay, and they were going to um, uh, the they, the prognosis was that if he do his renal diet correctly, he do his dialysis correctly, that he might recover his kidney function. What they don't know is when can take three weeks, three months, three years, you know, whatever God decide that it's going to take for him to recover. Yeah. So listen, if they don't call, if they don't kill you in the hospital by giving you the wrong diagnosis, by giving you the wrong medication, by neglecting about your care and not having a clinical eye, the next thing they kill you with. Is with the food because he's supposed to be in a low protein diet you know uh the, the you know the days that he taking dialysis he can take more protein because he's going to get rid of the garbage by the dialysis right. but the days that he doesn't have you know the dialysis you have to you know he need protein because he lost so much muscle but you need to be in a certain amount so for example this is one of his meals they give him a shake that have 19 grams of protein which is a lot of protein then they give him a big piece of chicken green beans and um and and, and uh, broccoli that broccoli and green beans are one of those vegetables that have protein so you adding you either giving the chicken and the and the and the protein or the chick by itself but not both things right you know yeah yeah and then once he come home and i go to the first day to the dialysis place when you go into the lobby they have snacks for the for the patients the, the snacks are two bending machines uh-huh. okay that one of the vending machines has Skittles, Cheetos, chocolates, uh, um, sneakers, uh, all this stuff that you can think of. Yeah. That you know that the main thing that causes uh, kidney failure is diabetes and high blood pressure. <laughs> so all the salty stuff and all the sugar stuff was there. Then for drinks, they have Mountain Dew, 7-Eleven, Coca-Cola. I mean, 7-Up, not 7-Eleven, 7-Up, Coca-Cola. That's the can of drink, not even water. That's a snack for them. And it says, and they have a sign. I took a picture and everything. It had a sign that said, make sure you have your snacks before you go inside to the back. Oh, my. Okay. I, I see <laughs> I see the nutritionist. The nutritionist came in to, to tell us what to eat. And she gave us a paper with what are the groceries? What can you buy for him? Okay. When I go to the, to the nutritional guy, oh, he can have Mountain Dew. He can have 7-Up. He can have Kool-Aid. What? What? So you're giving all these things that are full of chemicals that need a liver and a kidney to clean it up to a patient that his liver is not working properly and his kidneys are not functioning. Yeah. 
And the rest so, of us still don't need it. <laughs> so that, that, that proves that, you know, they want you to stay there because they make money. Uh, actually, we have to pay $2,200 in, in our uh, copay for, for, for dialysis. Wow. Okay? Wow. So, this is... so they want to make you to, to stay there. So listen, that, this, this experience has proved my motto. My motto is that your doctors is responsible for your sick care and you who are listening to me or watching to me on Facebook, you, yes, you are responsible of your health care. Yes. Because and I'm not saying that doctors are bad. I'm not saying that medicine is bad. They're there to rescue you. My husband was in a position that he needed to be rescued. So he needed that dialysis. He needed to be in the, under the healthcare, uh, uh, you know, field to be, to be rescued. Yeah. But to keep you healthy, that's no. a no, 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 that is a no, no. So, wow. This, I, my, Again, it just confirms what I had believed and what I've heard and read. Fortunately, I haven't had personal experience, and I do my best to avoid that. And now you know why. So we are going to hear more about how even more to advocate for your loved one when we come back from these few messages. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Insight's Dramatic Weight Loss Coaching Program is a transformational program healing you from the inside out so you can finally achieve your healthy weight for good by resolving the underlying reason why you've been holding on to the weight. The program features nine transformational individual sessions. You'll rebuild gut health and reduce inflammation. It's not a diet. Instead, you'll learn how to make peace with food and develop clean eating as a lifestyle. Visit InsightsCounselingCenter.com to find out more. your health where you think it should be if you're like most people the answer is probably not where can you get the answers you need to get on the right track the answers start on occupy health each week host dr susan downs and her guest experts will answer your questions as well as prepare you for questions you'll want to ask your health provider you'll want to plan for your optimal health with occupy health listen fridays at 11 a.m pacific time 2 p.m eastern time on voice america health and wellness Frankly Speaking About Cancer is a program designed to empower survivors and their caregivers to deal with the social and emotional challenges of cancer. The show will invite physicians, researchers, nurses, social workers, patients, and caregivers to share their advice on how to live a better life with cancer. Join host Kim Tibaldo, President and CEO of the Cancer Support Community, Tuesday afternoons at 1 p.m. Pacific Time and 4 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Network. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. listening to Shift Happens with Karin Weary. Do you have a question or comment about today's program? If so, we'd love to hear from you. Call in to the live show at 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. Or send an email to Karin W at InsightsCounselingCenter.com. 
Remember that Karin is spelled K-A-R-I-N. Now, back to Shift Happens. And boy, has Aida made some shift happen <laughs> in the medical field. And she has been telling us this incredible, mind-blowing story, personal experience of her poor husband, the nightmare that he has been through, and that the, the, the strength and the power that you were so fortunate that, well, you went through your education to become a nurse. Your daughter is a nurse, and you have a daughter who is an attorney, and with all that inside information, it was still a full-time job just trying to keep your husband alive because you kept catching them on doing serious errors. Not only that, that, that even in the things that I, that I didn't catch, one of my girls catch up. Yeah. One of the girls catch up and, 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 one, and one of the other things. Yeah. You know, that, that I didn't catch up. They were, you know, it was a, it was a team effort. Yeah. You know, yeah. even, even when I was the spokesman, I'm most of the time. And then the nurse, my daughter that is a nurse also was a spokesman, but it was a team effort. To, yeah. to, to take care of, of, of my husband. And I tell you, it's very, very important for you to stay informed. It's very, very important that when you find out what is the diagnosis and the reason why your, your, your uh, loved one is going to the hospital, that you to find out what is going on. But let me, in this segment here, tell you a little bit of how to prepare for a situation like this. Mm. How you prepare for a situation like this, okay? The way that you prepare for a situation like this, because another thing was that they needed to rule out that it wasn't that my husband have kidney disease, you know, so they were able to go to the story, to his story, and, and, and even the test that he did the same day that the doctor gave him the prescription, okay, uh, he, this, that result came out clear when it came to, the, to his uh, uh, kidney, it was clear. Mm. His uh, uh, liver and sense were a little bit elevated. But his kidney was clear. But the key is that if she would have waited for that result, she would not give him that that antibiotic. Right. She gave her she gave him an antibiotic that is is called a, a broad spectrum antibiotic. It's the antibiotic that you give when nothing else works. Mm. So okay. when I search into the into the uh, the medication PDR, where it tell you the side effects and everything, it says it in the in the in the side effects that one of the side effects randomyolysis, which is breakdown of the muscle that can cause kidney failure, that can cause elevated uh, liver enzymes, and they have seven uh, documented cases of nephrotoxicity. That's what happened to my husband. I guess it's number eight. Yeah, you understand what I'm saying? That's All what right. happened. But also in the in the medication log is also said that that medication is not recommended for patients that are above 60 Ugh. because they have a bigger risk of getting uh, those symptoms. My husband is uh, six, 60 and a half. Mm-hmm. He's going to be 61 now next month. Yeah. So if she would have get that, if she would have seen that, she probably would not give that. She would have given a regular antibiotics because the key when you have a UA is that the doctor will give you a first, spe- first spectrum, second spectrum antibiotic that you think Will, will take care of that particular infection. So it's not that the, the medication she gave was not indicated. It was indicated, but it just, it was a big spectrum antibiotic. She supposed to have given, you know, a one spectrum, second spectrum antibiotic, send the urine for culture. When the culture comes in, they put it in a petri dish, let the bacteria grow, and then they apply different antibiotics to that bacteria until they find the antibiotic that kills that bacteria. Once they found that, they will call you back and change your antibiotic to that one, or if it is the same one that you're taking, then she will give you more days to make mm-hmm. sure that, you know, but she, right. she just went directly to the big guns, you know, right. for, and didn't get all that, uh, 
um, you know, background about the medication. And, right. and now, now with electronic and everything, you can hit in your, in your, in your EMR, you can hit the name of the medication, you can get all the adverse reaction. And I wow. know that because not only that, I work in that particular office that my doctor, that my, that my husband went. So I uh -huh. know that that is possible through their, through their EMR. Yeah. But I'm not saying that, we, listen, you have to understand, I'm not blaming the doctors, you know, itself because they have a lot to learn. I mean, they are not memorized in a whole PDR. They usually have their favorites. And unless something happened with their favorites, they need to go to something else, then they go to research. Because if they go to research every single time they have to see a patient, they mm -hmm. won't have no time. Right. You know? But, but you know, I say to myself, they at least they should press that button of the adverse that will come with that thing so that at least they get a surprise. You know, they will get whatever they need. That's one right. thing that I would suggest. Right. Okay. And like I was telling before, I'm not saying that all medical is bad because like my husband needed that medical attention. Exactly. I, what I say is that medical is to rescue your body from sudden illness or trauma. Once you're stabilized, then it's your responsibility to stay healthy. It's your responsibility to take care of your health care. Yeah. And to be an advocate for yourself and for others and your loved ones. So yep. how you do that? How you prepare in case you have an emergency like that before you got an emergency like that? For every member in your family, you should have a folder. Okay, or a binder where you have doctor's notes, all the labs that you have done, all imaging, you know, like CT scan, x-rays, MRIs, ultrasounds, any notes from any specialist, you list some medication. If you suffer high blood pressure, then you need to have a log of your blood pressure. If you are a diabetic, a log of your diabetic. If you're having chronic pain, a log about how your chronic pain is doing on a daily basis. When you have all that together, then you know exactly all the things. Then the, the, the reason why I was able to, to tell the doctor, you need to do a CT scan, he might have diverticulitis, he might have this, he might that, because I know my husband's history and I know he had diverticulitis before, you know? Right, right. So I was able to do that because I knew that. So that's important. Not only have that folder uh, together, but you need to have that folder together for every member of the family and every member of the family know where it is. And another thing that is very important that you should have is an authorization of, of release of information form mm -hmm. signed in that folder. You mm -hmm. sign one of the doctors in, in your primary care doctor's office or whatever doctor, but you need to have a form in your folder. Because if I didn't have that form, they would not give me no information about my husband because my, my husband was... Oh, I was in quarantine and the person that had to take my, my, my husband to the hospital emergency was my daughter, you know? So she just told me I had to take it to the hospital. She didn't even, she was so excited about the situation that she didn't explain why she's taking my husband to the hospital. I found right. out a little later, you know, because I was right. in, in, in quarantine in my room. So when she went in, you know, she was the only one signed in because she was the only one that was there in the hospital. But because I had that paper, I was able because it doesn't matter, you can be the wife, you can be the daughter, you can be the partner, you can be the best friend, it doesn't matter. You cannot just go say, I'm so-so, I'm so-so's uh, wife, and they're going to give you the information. No, right. you need right. to have that release of information. So it's very important now, especially, that you are not able to be there to advocate. Because if you're there, the, the patient only has to say, yeah, you can talk in front of them. And that mm -hmm. will be enough for them to give you the information. But when you are now that we are not able to go to the hospital, it is very, it's essential that you have that, that authorization, release of information form in your binder so that you, a couple of copies of that, so you can mm -hmm. take one and take it to the hospital so that you can. So do you uh, obviously request all of that from the doctors every time you go? Because 
Well, you can request it from the doctor, but you can also download one from from um, from Google. You just download oh, no, one mean, form, and then you your make records. Sure. I mean, your records. Oh, your records. Yeah. 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 The, you are you supposed to be able to get copy of everything. So every single time that you go to the doctor, mm -hmm. okay, let's say you one day she gave you an order for labs, you went to do the labs. Now you go to the doctor to get the results. Once they give you the results, because they're not going to give it to you before they have discussed it, just in case if something is wrong. Once they give you the results, then you tell them I want a copy. Mm -hmm. And then by that time, then you can ask, I want a copy of my, of my notes, mm -hmm. of the doctor's notes. Okay. You know, and yeah. you put it there. And if you go to any other doctor, because that's another thing. Another thing that you need to do is that every single time that you go to the doctor, bring your medication bottles to the doctor and a log. Don't go to the doctor, have a high blood pressure, and you go to the doctor without a log of how your blood pressure has been in a week. Because mm -hmm. what happens is that you go to the doctor, now you're nervous, you get white cold syndrome which means that your blood pressure is going to get high and you're not really high. But mm. because you didn't bring a log to prove the doctor that your blood pressure is okay, he's going to give you another pill because his insurance tells him that he cannot let the patient go without, you know, um, his blood pressure uh, lowering. And he's going to give you another pill right there to take right there at the office. You're going to leave the office until your blood pressure is down. Right. So you would avoid all that and unnecessary medication unnecessary if you keep a log. Another thing is that the bottles of medication, especially this is especially for the elderly, your parents, you know, and grandparents. And and there's some forty and thirty year old people also that don't have a you know. But the thing is about medication is that when they're genetic, the pharmacy buy it from the genetic company that will sell it the cheapest at this point. So you can have a medication that today is round and white and tomorrow is square and blue. So mm -hmm. the elderly think that there's two different medications and they're taking the medication twice. Mm -hmm. Or this per the patient is going to different doctors. Let's say you're going to the cardiologist, you're going to your primary care, you're going to endocrinologist. The, the primary care is taking care of your blood pressure and it's going to give you a water pill for the blood pressure. Then you go to the cardiologist, he finds out that you have congestive heart failure, he's going to give you another water pill because you didn't bring the medications to him, so you don't know you're taking one already, he's going to take you another one. Then you go to the endocrinologist, you have something wrong with your kidneys, he's going to give you another water pill, and now you're going to have three different water pills and taking them all together, get dehydrated, end up in the hospital unnecessarily because you didn't bring your bottles of medication to the doctor. So mm -hmm. they know what you're taking exactly. Right. You know? Right. So those are things that are very important for you to prevent more complications when you go to the doctor. So if you prep yourself with that, you know, and, and with that knowledge, then you have a basis before, you know, any emergency happen and you can take it from there. Yeah. So get your release of information, have several copies of that. Every time you go to the doctor and their results, ask for a copy of that so that you can start having that folder ready and available for when you need it. And that is going to be probably the biggest piece that I'm going to take away because that's how you can really prepare and then Google everything when the doctor tells you what's going on. So uh, there, this was just so incredibly important. Thank you so much, Ida, for coming on and telling us this story because it is just, like you said, confirming your motto that your doctor's your sick care uh, provider, but you are your health care provider. So, yeah. So, go ahead, put these forms together, and be ready, but take care of your house so you don't have to go through all this. And Yes, please. Yes. And then go out there and shine your beautiful, uh, healthy self and share this episode with everybody because everybody needs to know this. Yeah, this, this is, is like so vital information. And oh, my gosh. During the pandemic, this is vital information that you need. So share, 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 share.
Yes. Subscribe to the channel too. Subscribe to the radio show. That's right. That's right. Shift happens. <laughs> Thank you so much for tuning in to Shift Happens. Please join host Karen Weary, Ida Serena Lee, and John Kennedy for another edition of our program next Tuesday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time and 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. We wish you continued success as you discover the true you.